1: This is a crowd podcast.
0: Three burly security guards, a tour manager, an agent, a couple of personal assistants, a club promoter, some friends. They're all crammed together, walking fast with purpose. And somewhere in the middle is Tim. They leave a helicopter behind and stride towards the VIP area. There's a barrage of flashbulbs, a sudden scream, Bodyguards blocking fans who throw themselves towards them. A velvet rope's unclipped. The group walks along a corridor, up some stairs. As they move, the noise is getting louder. The chant is getting clearer. Three syllables. Over and over again. They turn a corner and stop. Up a final flight of stairs beyond the stage, green lasers rake across the night sky. Tim emerges from the mist of his entourage. The final flight of stairs is just for him. This stage is his. This night belongs to him. He adjusts his baseball cap, smoothing his long hair under the brim. He takes a final drag of his cigarette, his cheekbones sharp and high as he sucks down the smoke. And then he climbs. As he emerges on stage, a voice booms out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Avicii. In the wings, a roadie presses a button and 30-foot flames shoot into the sky. The lasers snap together into tight spinning cones of light. Thousands of faces stare in expectation. Eyes wide. Tim holds up a hand, pulls on his headphones and flips across a fader. A heavy bass line shudders out of the speakers arms fly up, the crowd bounces and Tim grins wide. Every night it's like this, show after show, pre-party after party, private jet out, a helicopter in, a new city, new club, new stage. It's the era of the superstar DJ and Tim, or Avicii, is A-list. He's on an endless carousel, whirling faster and faster on and on. Tim controls the tunes, but when he wants to get off, when he's had enough of the ride, enough of being Avicii, who's in control then? This is Death of a Rockstar, Avicii. A plate of cold spaghetti sits on the bed. Old pizza boxes lie on the floor. Outside, the sun shines. It barely breaks through the slats in the blinds. Instead, the room's lit by a bare bulb and three laptop screens. The air's heavy with hormones, unwashed clothes and teenage boys. It's Tim's apartment. He's just left home and he's made his own routine. His friends drop round about 1 p.m. Together, they fire up the computers and start work. Afternoon turns into evening, turns into night and Tim's still in his chair, his face bathed in the screen's light, his mouth darts across the screen, bars stretch and shrink slide back and forth as it whizzes around, over and over, everything's tweaked and retouched, again and again. He and his friends aren't cool, they're close, laugh easily, and they're bright, but they aren't cool. They used to spend whole days hanging at Tim's parents' house, watching sci-fi or horror films, playing video games. Now, they have a new place to hang out, a new craze. Instead of playing games, slotting bricks into place or jumping over giant mushrooms, they're shaping sound. Because to make music now, you don't need a studio. You don't need gigs, you don't need practice time, auditions, instruments or even friends. Technology's changed all that. All you need is a computer, some software and time. There's a democracy to it, really. A mixing desk, an orchestra of instruments, thousands of effects. All that is suddenly anyone's. And when you've made your music, you don't need a label to release it. You put it out on the internet and watch it either melt away or snowball into a phenomenon. It's a new age. A warp speed cycle of music making. Tim works longer and harder than his friends. When they head home in the early morning, he keeps pushing on, fiddling and fine-tuning until tracks are tight. His appetite for music is far bigger than his appetite for food. He produces three, four, five demo tracks a week. Big tunes, finished in the small hours. And as the sun starts to rise, he sends them out. At first, he publishes under his own name, Tim Bergling. Then he goes for Tim Berg, but neither's available on MySpace, so he adopts Avicii. It's the lowest circle of Buddhist hell, a place where sinners are punished before finally being reborn. But for Tim, it just sounds cool. He finally steps away from the screen and climbs the stairs to the roof of his apartment block. He rolls out a mat, lies down, and sleeps in the sun. It's another efficiency, a way of getting more done. As Tim's music is shared on social media and the buzz grows, he lies in the sunlight, soaking up the rays, getting the vitamin D he'd otherwise miss out on. And then he wakes, and the routine starts again. The stage shimmers red and silver behind Tim. A camera on the long pole sweeps over the heads of thousands of fans. Plumes of dry ice billow out into the Miami night. This is the first weekend of the 2013 Ultra Music Festival. More than 300,000 fans have travelled to the city to dance, drink and be decadent. All of them have heard about Tim's headline set the year before. An Avicii-branded truck handed out free ice creams before the show. Madonna joined him at the decks to introduce a remix of one of her songs. And finally, he closed with levels. It's the track that sends him soaring from small bedroom to stardom in a matter of months. It's a track that captures a movement. It starts with a hooky riff. Then there's a bass line, the sort that rattles through your ribcage. A screaming siren, an old school lyric full of yearning, and a roller coaster drop that makes you dance. It's five minutes of mindless, exhilarating, feel good music, a template polished and perfected, dance music that storms the pop charts. Because EDM, or electronic dance music, is where kids find their escape now. In the 80s, hip-hop captured a generation's anger. In the 90s, grunge got their disaffection. Now in a new millennium, with new wars and injustices, they find a new way. They don't change the world, they create their own. Fueled by a new wave of ecstasy, they dance, sweat and smile. They sing along to feel good tunes with melodies your mum might hum. It's about unity, celebration, hedonism. A third summer of love. Something's different now. Now, the focus is on the DJ. The crowd dance together, but not with each other, and all their eyes face forward. Towards the stage. Towards the DJ. Towards Evici. Tim, the quiet boy from the Stockholm flat, The megastar around the world. And in 2013, at Ultra in Miami, there's confusion in those eyes. It's not the usual seamless set. There's been silence for a minute. And then, people emerge from behind Tim. There's a singer with a mic, two guitarists and a banjo player. They start playing, unaccompanied, no backing, no bass, no synth. It sounds small, nothing like the wall of sound Avicii normally brings. The beat comes, eventually, in the last quarter of the song, but it's too late for most of the crowd. They're confused, disappointed, the song, a new one called Wake Me Up ends to sparse, uncertain applause, a jeers too. Online in the days later, Tim defends himself, he writes a post on Facebook, it's long, it's from the heart, this is what he writes, wow, looks like I stirred up some controversy with my set, I really wanted to switch things up and do something fun and different, showing the endless possibilities of house and electronic music. People will soon see what it's all about Love you all who listen with open hearts and open minds Wake me up is a leap A leap from Tim's past A leap of faith that his fans will follow A leap towards the mainstream It could be a mistake You might fall through the gaps, sink without a trace After the rise The fall looms Instead, he lands it. Wake Me Up becomes the first EDM track to sell more than 4 million copies in the US. It's number one in 22 countries. Spends an entire summer in the UK's top 10. You hear it everywhere. Daytime radio, late night clubs, men pogoing, girls singing, ringtones, shop floors, everywhere. And for Tim, the ride gets faster still. The nights get bigger, the contracts larger. His entourage grows and grows. He plays Vegas residencies, Middle East mega resorts, Ibiza superclubs, Japanese theme parks. Big brands want a piece of him too. His ice-blonde hair and large, deep eyes star in a Ralph Lauren campaign. He makes music for a Coca-Cola ad, even collaborates on an anthem for the 2014 FIFA World Cup. He shuttles from job to job in a blur, sometimes two gigs in the same night. The money rolls in. Tim earns 15 million pounds a year. But as the bank account swells, the man at the center of it all gets skinny. His temper frays, his joints creak, spots bloom on his clear skin. He lives off alcohol and nicotine, caffeine and painkillers, fast food if any at all. His eyes sink deeper into his skull. Tim sinks deeper into himself. It's a long-haul lifestyle where the destination isn't clear anymore. Avicii is an industry. It sells gigs and music. And there are podcasts and pop-up hotels, merchandise and marketing rights. So much more than music. So many more people than just Tim all relying on Avicii to keep the beats flowing and the tills ringing. The fans expect more, bigger tunes, higher profile collaborations, wider creative twists. And Tim? He demands more too. He knows there'll be another kid in the bedroom making music, trying to emulate him, trying to overtake him. As the stages get bigger, so do Tim's nerves, his doubts the questions he asks himself about his career, about life, how long he can keep doing this without knowing where it's heading. Then, out of nowhere, a letter to his fans, says he needs to make the change, one he'd been struggling with for a while. I'll tell you about that after this quick
1: ad break. Your daily reality is the fact that at any moment when the guard comes along, he might just pull out his gun and shoot you in the back of the head.
0: Imagine boarding a flight thinking you're heading on holiday, but instead you get taken hostage by Saddam Hussein.
2: All the tanks are in rows and they're all pointing their guns at us at the hotel. And I've never seen anything like it in my life.
0: Imagine being used as a human shield, put
2: in the line of fire, We're in trouble, we are under attack, do not leave where you are. That man has been shot. He has been shot.
0: My God. Listen to the secret history of Flight 149 to hear the shocking story behind one of the biggest cover-ups in modern history.
2: We know the truth, we know what actually happened. I was there.
0: Subscribe now.
1: This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Hello, it's Tom Fordyce here. I'm one of the writers on Death of a Rockstar, and I do hope you're enjoying the series. I wanted to tell you about BetterHelp. Now we all carry around different stresses in life, big and small. A lot of the people I wrote about for this series absolutely did. And as we know, if we keep those stresses bottled up, it can impact us negatively. That's where therapy can be great. Therapy isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. It can help you understand the way your brain works, and why you feel a particular way. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's all online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge with over 1000 therapists in the UK already BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health rockstar listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com/rockstarpod that's betterhelp.com/rockstarpod Hello, Rockstar listeners. It is Tom here. Now, I'm one of the writers on the show and was behind quite a few of the episodes, ones like George Michael, John Lennon, Donny Hathaway and Otis Redding. I wanted to tell you quickly about DistroKid, who we've partnered with to provide Rockstar listeners with a special deal that we think you will love. Are you a musician and wondering how you can get more bang for your buck with your music? Well, Get yourself on DistroKid. That's D-I-S-T-R-O-K-I-D. DistroKid is revolutionising the music business. It's the easiest way for musicians to get music onto places like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, well, you name it, they can get it there. You get unlimited uploads, you'll enjoy more features than any other music distributor, and you'll get to keep 100% of your earnings. Here are just some of the things that it lets you do. Okay, easily pay your collaborators with a special feature called splits. Send huge files to anyone with their InstaShare feature. Make mini videos to use on your socials. And stop sneaky thieves stealing your music and using it without your permission with their Distro Lock feature. There's also an app where you can see your DistroKid account in one place. Check your Apple and Spotify stats and withdraw earnings. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So head to the Apple Store or Google Play to download it. And here is the best bit. They're offering you guys a special deal. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash death of a star to get 30% off your first year. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash death. Death of a Rockstar for 30% off your first year.
0: Welcome back to Death of a Rockstar. The story of Avicii. Through the plane window, the Persian Gulf sparkles under a hot sun. Stretches of barren desert are broken by mega cities. Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Doha. Skyscrapers and resorts paid for by oil built on sand. They're shrines to the super rich, temples to excess. Luxury sprawling to the horizon and stretching to the sky. And Tim's played them all. He doesn't look out the view. He doesn't reminisce as the plane starts to descend. He's too busy. Sending messages, writing notes, tweaking sound waves. There's another album to plan. A head and a hard drive full of ideas. He stopped touring now, and a fire's reignited. His work now is just how he likes it. No stage, no scrutiny, no long trips and short turnarounds. He's got time, and he's got silence. He's not in his teenage bedroom anymore with moldy spaghetti and stale sheets. The food's better, the linen crisper, and he can write music just like he did back then, free from distraction. He loses himself in the beats and loops, sorting through samples and slotting them into the perfect place. His flight isn't bound for a gig, but a holiday. A five-star beach complex where he's just a guest. It's in Oman, the quieter, low-key end of the Arabian Peninsula. There's white sand and clear, warm water. Tim spends his days on yachts and at beach clubs. He meets up with some friends, connections of the royal family. He eats well. His skin, sallow and pale after long hours in the studio, tans. He recharges. And the laptop's never far away. Its glow is always within an arm's reach. Because there's always another idea to jot down. A collaborator to contact. A new earworm to hook. is always there. Tim seems happy. In the photos fans post on Instagram, he smiles wide. A young man in the lap of luxury, free from worry. But appearances can deceive. 10 days before he gets to Oman, Tim's in tears. Comforting him is a woman he's known for less than a month. She's a meditation instructor and Tim's called her to his West Hollywood mansion for a crash course. He's read up on meditation, searching for a new way to block out the noise that stays in his head long after the music stops. The noise only he hears. The fear. The anxiety. The vulnerability that lurks at the edges. Pills and booze have silenced it before. Tim used to bury it beneath the haze. He hoped an end to the live shows would bring him peace but that noise always comes back a little more insistent. And each time, Tim's a little less able to cope. Tim hopes meditation can help him find a higher state of consciousness. He wants to soar out of reach from his insecurities, find happiness. But inner peace isn't something you can put on a rider. It won't be rushed up by room service. It takes more time, time Tim hasn't got. He takes two-hour meditation lessons for four straight days, but at the end of the last one, he breaks down. This is what he tells the instructor through his sobs. I'm just so sensitive, and I'm in so much pain. There isn't time for another lesson before he jets out to Oman. Now, he's in a private villa. A high wall behind him, the stars above, the open ocean in front. And Tim's pain visits him again. He's changed so much around him, and yet so little within him. He wrestles with his fears, trying to find the light, the hope, the way through. He needs a way to embrace the music and insulate against the madness. To be able to create music, but dodge the attention and destruction that comes with it. To be a Vici, but to protect Tim. To separate the two. And when he can't, he decides to leave one behind. The music lives on, but the man doesn't. What happens next is unclear. There's a report that Tim fatally injures himself with a broken wine bottle, that he's rushed to a police hospital after a member of hotel staff discovers him, but Oman is a private place. A place where unsavory details are kept under wraps, where luxury keeps prying eyes out. His family releases a statement. It's only a few lines, but with a little, it says a lot. It says, Our beloved Tim was a seeker, a fragile, artistic soul, searching for answers to the existential questions. Tim was not made for the business machine he found himself in. He could not go on any longer. He wanted to find peace. The tributes come from people he worked with, the A-list artists he gave a new audience to, a new relevance. Calvin Harris calls Tim a beautiful soul, passionate and extremely talented with so much more to do. Rita Ora says working with Tim changed her life. Madonna tweets a picture. It's her and Tim on a stage. She wears sequin studded Chanel gloves and fishnet tights. He's in a loose fitted check shirt Sweat glistening on his forehead. Both grin, wide and goofy. This is what she posts alongside that picture. So sad, so tragic. Goodbye, dear sweet Tim. Gone too soon. It's another post that goes really viral, though. It's from Tim's hometown, Stockholm, in the days after his death. On stage, stretching up to the concert hall's balconies, are hundreds of people. Some are young, but most are middle-aged. Tim's parents' age, not his. They're all dressed in white. They sway, they clap, and they sing. They sing, wake me up. As they perform, one or two people in the crowd stand to join them. By the end, the whole crowd's on their feet. Together they sing the last line, I didn't know I was lost. They sing over and over, I didn't know. A year later their voices have fallen silent, the social media tributes have slowed, the world for the most part has moved on, searching for the next party, the next big thing. Snow covers a graveyard in Stockholm. It blankets the dome of the church at its centre. The only sound through the sharp, cold air is the crunch of snow under shoe. Tim's here, somewhere. His exact resting place isn't marked to keep things private, to keep them simple. Instead, his life's marked by a small plaque on the wall. It says his name, his dates, and nothing else. Deep, in a basement studio across the city, noise fills earphones. Tim's friends, his collaborators, are working through what he left behind. The notes, the samples, the loops and beats. The ideas, half-realized on his laptop, are revived. They imagine how Tim would have sculpted the sounds. His vision through their eyes. How much to add, how much to change, and when to know they've done enough. Come spring, as the snow melts away, it's done. A surprise single drops online, an album follows. The album is called, simply, Tim. Avicii might be dead, but the music lives on. And through that, so does Tim. This episode of Death of a Rockstar was written by Mike Henson and performed by me, Esmond Cole. It was edited by Phil Brown. For research, we watched Avicii True Stories, the excellent behind-the-scenes documentary that charts his career. We also read from the archives of GQ, Rolling Stone and the New York Times. The music we used is from our partners BMG Production Music. But if you'd like some Avicii, try Levels, the club banger that made his breakthrough. Wake Me Up, the bluegrass-infused mega-hit, or SOS the posthumous single that led the album, Tim. If you'd like another podcast to listen to, try our other series, Death of a Film Star, and start with our episodes about Heath Ledger or Chadwick Boseman. Just search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. Thanks for listening.
1: Crowd Network. A place where you belong.
2: The Helping Friendly podcast explores the music and fan experience of fish through interviews and deep dives on shows and tours. For more than 10 years, we've created insightful and fun discussions about our favorite band, and with the help of our guests and thematic series, we're still discovering new angles of appreciation for fish. And when the band is on tour, we provide a review of every show the following day. As one of our listeners said, any fish fans that enjoy meandering conversations and incredible insight on new and old fish shows, This is for you. Highly recommend. It's not just about the band and the shows. It's about the journey getting there. Throughout 2024, we're going to be running down the top 25 fish tours of all time, and that'll be interspersed with show reviews and regular episodes. Join us and check out the Helping Friendly podcast wherever you get your podcasts.